three, two, one. This is Soccer Central News here from the Facebook network itself. Soccer <laughs> Central News. My name is Tyler Bates. That is Kyle D'Antoni. Kyle, how are you today on this fine week? That is of the week of February 8th, the day after the Super Bowl. A lot of talk from there, but of course, there's a lot of news to talk about on the side of the world, the other football side of the world, too, as well. Yes, absolutely. I am fuming at a number of different things, my friend. Fuming. And well, I don't, we'll, I don't know if you we'll want get to fume to it. too much. Yeah. <laughs> you we'll don't get... want to fume too much about things there. <laughs> we got plenty to talk about today on the show. Plenty to talk about today from villains, VAR controversies, MLS, Tigres. Tigres, Tigres, Tigres. Tigres. Yes. Making a move and uh, some onesie twosies here and there. Tyler Bates, what do you got? Mm, mm. Well, let's begin, I think, just where we go first. And that is the subject that everybody has been talking about, everybody continues to talk about, everybody complains about in the world of the EPL, it seems like. And yes, I am talking about VAR. VAR controversies have been overshadowing some very key matches. Now, we didn't get to really get to talk about it and get into full with this last match. I know this one kind of took place about a week ago, but I want to get into it because it does bear mentioning into the controversy. Let's go. And I'm talking about the last the match against Arsenal and Manchester United. As we look into that match from, from, the side of, from the side of things, there was a little bit of some issues there. Um, in that now Kyle kind of take me back a little bit since because I saw bits and pieces of the game I wasn't able to watch it live what I was able to um, but I did catch some highlights so kind of take me back a little bit into this since I know from your perspective I know you watched every minute of it and I hear everything from old Manchester United fans my friends on the side of things but I like to get a perspective on another view just there was a little bit of some issues that we see as far as David Luiz and everything goes from that side so Kind of take me back a little bit. What is the issue or the situation that we've been dealing with? Right. So VAR, um, VAR is, I think a lot of people uh, have kind of, VAR is meant to assist a referee, not to make the call for the referee. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, uh, there's countless players that have actually gone on and said, and I quote, this is from Patrick Banford from Leeds United, great player, uh, who has said, VAR is ruining football, end quote. So th- that's 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 pretty, some pretty bold words uh, mm-hmm. off uh, from the uh, Leeds United striker. So, and I, I would I would I wouldn't say it's ruining football. However, there's so much more passion and you know, let's be honest, less controversy when we didn't have VAR. VAR, the whole point of it was to assist the referees, and it all started, uh, I believe, with goal line de- goal line decisions when it all started, and then it kind of mm-hmm. went from there, which we all understand, and we want to get rid of. A lot of the, um, you know, the the violent tackles and everything, and safety of players. Yes, all right, cool. But if you're gonna go like that way, you got to get rid of the other stuff, and that is the absolute flamboyancy of diving that has become in the in the uh, EPL the last few. Uh, I would say, mm-hmm. I would argue, probably two, three seasons. It's been really, really bad this year. Um, most notably, if you if anyone watched the Mosala uh, one that was this weekend, that was pretty bad. Uh, there's a few other ones. Uh, I can't really complain altogether, though, because Lacazette for Arsenal is a very flamboyant diver. I want to say diver, but he, extravagant faller. Let's put it that way. You know, um, he sells. He sells, sells very sells. well. Yes, he closed yes. the, the deal. He, he closed the deal. But 
the big thing that we're going to talk about, there's a couple of them, uh, VAR, that we've, that we've been talking about. The biggest one that started the whole incident was Arsenal versus Wolves uh, in the 45-plus-3 uh, minute in the first half. Mm-hmm. David Luiz, I believe it was Ruben Neves. I know he got the PK. I forgot. I think it was Ruben Neves uh, who got slotted through uh, one-on-one with the keeper. David mm-hmm. Luiz comes in in the back. Yeah, he's trying to catch up to him, right? He's trying to get to the player, right? And now if you're in, I'm a, I've been a soccer coach for six years. When you, you see a lot of players that do this, like Jamie Vardy's notorious for it, is that what a strikers do is that they'll cut in front, purposely cut in front of a defending player. The reason for that is because they know the defending player has to slow down or not. They will have to foul the individual, right? So it's a, it's mm-hmm. a strategic move, right? It's very, it's very smart. Cut in front. Also, they get the better angle. They can see if the uh, goalkeepers, uh, you know, pull off their post, all that kind of stuff, right? So, but the only problem is that is that the Wolves player is already in front, uh, at least a step or two in front of David Luiz. David Luiz trying to catch up, doesn't make a player play on the ball, and doesn't make a play on the referee on the uh, on the referee. Doesn't make a play <laughs> on the ball or the player clips the blade of grass that is on the studs of the Wolverhampton player. Both players go down and slide. David Luiz gets a straight red, no questions asked. Um, uh, and, and commentary is just flying that it is originally you're like, originally you think, oh, okay, he's the last defender, obvious goal, you know, obviously a goal scoring mm-hmm. opportunity. Okay, I get it. Uh, uh, he's the last defender. All right, cool. But he's already in front and David Luiz already had Rob Holding off to his left, who was about two steps behind him. So you can't really say, argue he was the last defender, I guess. But I get that argument. However, he doesn't make a play on the ball nor the player. He actually trips, um, and then both players go down. So the argument, he gets a straight red. The argument is, is that, all right, so no one's arguing whether it's a PK or not. Everyone, everyone's very clear. Yes, PK. No, yes. no questions asked. However, to give him a straight red is absolutely vile. It is it's because it, in even there's a commentary. Was, I think it was on NBCSN that I absolutely loathe. I wish I could find it and I'll post it onto the Soccer Central News Facebook uh, page. Is that one of the referees that does the commentary for uh, like sitting in on like the shows and stuff actually said mm-hmm. that David Luiz has has this image of doing stuff like this. You cannot make that kind of statement because now you're profiling the player that he's going to do something like that. And it, that gives more authority for the referees to give him said red cards. I don't think that's fair whatsoever because then you're profiling the player, right? It's the same reason why people, um, uh, what's the Spanish player? What's his name? Uh, everyone hates. Mm. Um, oh, Ramos. Yeah. Like Ramos, Sergio Ramos, right? Sergio Ramos. I think he has more red cards than any other player. Uh, in in the in the leagues, so like referees know his his that stigma and that reputation, you know, follows him, right? So referees right. kind of expect that, right? And so when he goes into a challenge, they're like, oh man, I might get that red card, you know, ready, you know. So it seems like referees mm-hmm. seem to chomp at the bit, and David Luiz has gotten that reputation. He's gotten, I believe, that he has three in this in this season, uh, red, at least red, three. I think yes. three this year. So. Um, you know, Wolves score the PK, um, and, and uh, Arsenal ends up losing. They rebuke the call, 
they get denied. But the biggest kicker out of this whole shenanigans is that the <laughs> same day or same weekend, Southampton gets shammered by Man United. And in the second minute, mm-hmm. Alexander Jankowicz, I believe I'm saying that right, second minute, it's the exact same foul pretty much. I believe it was um, – I forgot the, the Man United player who cut in front again, cut in front, right, and he comes across him. In the second minute, it's the same player. Southampton rebutes it. The call gets taken back. It's the exact same foul. And so – and that's what we, call, we, talk, we constantly talk about having the inconsistencies that are of the referees. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to say, okay, and, and, and for the David Luiz one, there wasn't even a VAR check. It was a straight red. No, so, yep. um, and so, and that, and that's where, and that's where a lot of the Arsenal fans, and this is kind of me just being biased is that the Arsenal fans, but like, all right, cool. If you went to a far check and then you went to, uh, 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 you know, in the, in the red card upheld. Okay. That's a different argument, but for you to go in there and say it's a straight red and not even look at the, you know, the circumstances, especially when it's a red card and red cards are reviewable. I, I don't understand that. So, and that and that and that's that's the biggest kicker with it, um, and it, it just has a lot of players fuming. And there and the, this is just the one that kind of set off the weekend. And there's a couple other ones. Um, you know, everyone said you know like Man United was getting the more VAR checks because they had more PKs than everyone. Um, and you know that one kind of oh, that was like at the beginning of the season, uh, and towards the later <laughs> end of last season. So. I mean, it, it isn't the first time. However, it, it just proves that the inconsistencies are there. And right. they're there. Players are definitely getting, I don't want to say they're soft, but players have to be more cautious. The, the longer the days are gone of the, the days when the, the English Premier League was, <laughs> was said to be the most you know, aggressive, um, harder league to play in. Do I still think it is? Now, yeah, more or less, but it's losing that reputation. And I think VAR has a lot to do with it because it's making players softer and they don't want to go into challenges because they won't get the support um, from the referees. All right, I hear everything that you have said there, and, and there's valid points that have been made. I mean, I, I took a look back at this, and I, and I talked with other officials myself, being as somebody who is trying to get better and better at learning the game more as hopefully a season for me will begin here pretty soon, hopefully in the next month. Um, But I I see what, as they read by the letter of the law of the book of what they described to David Luiz's foul, that I understand what my concern is going to be. But my concern is going to be is now, is that going to change? Because how many times do we see, and I, I, I get updates on the law, the letter of the laws of the game. What is going to be the definition? Denying obvious goal-scoring opportunity. There's no, I, I, yeah, there's no intent. There's no intent and there's no, uh, you, know, uh, you know, trying to hurt another player. There's no intent there. So that's the biggest argument. And I understand the rule. I get the rule yes. 100%, but the rule needs to be changed if that's the fact. If it's that, if in case that is the fact, then they're going to be reviewing to this. They're probably going to be looking back at this, and I can expect probably another omission or a rebuttal or a revision of this particular rule because this is going to come up. And leave it to Southampton to be in two straight matches. 
to have red card situations. I mean, Jinkwitz, you mentioned in the second minute, there's a lot of controversy regarding maybe this guy, this player who allegedly wanted to be loaned out away from Southampton, was denied, and was given his first Premier League start as a way to lock him in out of the transfer window. There's controversy to say that he purposely got a red card in the second minute for this. How you take as far as that, I don't know. But it was just a bad game all around for Southampton. But then for Southampton to be in another game four days later, to have Newcastle go down with 10 men, but still win the game even down to 10 men, just Southampton's just luck has not been going good right now as far as the red card go situation. But you mentioned it. I mean, you can go back to YouTube highlights. You can go back to the go back to the tapes of the '70s and '80s, up until even the beginning of even in the early days of the Premier League. And I can tell you right now, I would not be walking. I would not be able to be playing any league like that these days for me, because I know for certain I'm just a baby, and I know that I would get killed out there today because some of the plays that were made some of the great tackles some of the great ball handling skills and everything that you saw in those days you just don't see that anymore and yes VAR is becoming an issue and it's not just about offsides problems it's problems about as we mentioned it already players selling closing the deal what can I do what official is officiating this game what is their reputation what do they look for that's the kind of issue that I'm seeing is that every officiating crew that I see so far out there has a different reputation. Are they harsh on red cards? Are they very soft? Will they have their hand pulling the trigger quicker than most than others? Will others see fit and let the game play through? Those are some of the things. What's the caliber of the game? What are the stakes of the game itself? Those are things that are played into factors. I'm learning about this more and more as I become and get more entrenched into the officiating is that, the higher the game, the more focused me myself as an official I have to be, and I have to remain as neutral as possible, even given during reports and everything like that. So there are some issues for me, Kyle, that I see in this, and it is something that they need to start cleaning up. Absolutely. So and let, let's not forget that the biggest call that started this whole thing was in the beginning, the beginning of the season when Patrick Bamford um, had the famous uh, – Arm offsides arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, he is, is against Crystal Palace, um, and he gets the ball slotted through, scores, and then Patrick Bamford actually does get hit. The goal gets called back, but he did, does eventually score again, and that and he actually famously looks at the line judge and kind of points and winks at him and says, "Was that offsides or whatever?" And <laughs> and he didn't get a card for it, but he kind of like threw in that little jab. But that's the oh, one yeah. that kind of started the whole thing was the whole arm offsides, right? And if you look at the replay, Patrick Bamford is, like most soccer players, point to where they want the ball, right? I'm going this direction. I'm pointing. Put the ball here, right? Cool. I'm a midfielder. I'm a midfielder. I do it all the time. And I'm sure as a referee, you see players point all the time. I want the ball here, mm-hmm. right? And that's what he does. He splits the defense, scores, ball gets called back, right? That was the one that pretty much right. famously set up the season. And then we have – a lot of this other shenanigans going on. Yeah. Now there's another one that I want to mention too on there. And as the controversy goes, as far as VAR controversies, there's also officiating controversies and you don't need to look any further in the English premier league. If anybody is a fan or watches on a consistent basis, the name Mike Dean comes to a lot of minds. And yes, 
people will cringe at that name because he's a very notorious official who is very tr- card happy, very trigger happy, and has been known to make a game about himself more than anything else. And no, you don't have to look much further than this past weekend with the Fulham West Ham match, right? Literally, pretty much at the death of the match in the nine in the ninety in the in the seventh minute of stoppage time. Thomas Susek, if I hope I'm saying his name right, was the one out in the middle of the box on a free kick ready to go. Mitrovic for Fulham was defending with him there. If you saw on the Soccer Central News Facebook page, I put the picture out there of the still photo. Solsek is really trying to position himself even before the ball is kicked. And, and guys are flailing arms all the time trying to make moves, trying to get in positions. In no way, shape, or form. Did I feel at any point did Sosek, was he making an absolute intentional move to make a violent conduct move toward Mitrovic? But once again, what does Mitrovic know about Mike Dean? I can sell this and I better sell it well. And sell that he did because he dropped to the ground. It was a red, it was by VAR check. There was no card given first, but VAR initiated to Mike Dean to check it. Mike Dean gives a red card to Solsek, he's sent off literally at the death, so it really didn't matter anyway because it ended up as a nil-nil tie. But this, again, tells me, are, at first, one, are you kidding me? Varchek could not sit, tell me that gamesmanship was not happening with Mitrovic, <laughs> number one. And number two, you really believe that Solsek was really looking for a violent conduct move towards himself, even at the gain of advantage of a position on this particular situation? Kyle, I have problems with this, even as well. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. Um, and you, yeah, again, if 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 you're if you're not if I believe I I think I've only seen the replay once, but if you're gonna go against one player and you obviously see there's no intent or you know bot or intent for you know harm or anything like that, why wouldn't you card the other player for yes. you know for embellishment? Right, as it's famously called now, yes. embellishment. Um, I, I, it's, 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 it's so, I'm sure we'll see more. Um, and, uh, and I'm, and like you were saying, uh, the referees are, you know, they're, they're not, yes, they're held to a standard, right? Because they're professional. However, yes. there's no repercussions to what calls they do or do not have, um, in this case. Now I know in the MLS referees are constantly, um, uh, being evaluated, they have to go. They have to reevaluate all their calls, and they have to. Uh, they have to go back when, uh, like during like their weekly meetings, they have to say why they made a call, and they have to give reasoning behind their call. And I believe they actually get suspended uh, for bad calls, uh, depending on what it is. Uh, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. And mm. so that is good because if that's the case, the MLS is doing it right. They're holding their referees to even a higher standard. Um, and uh, MLS is uh, is getting up there to being one of a, a more aggressive league uh, uh, here and there. Um, it's it's getting up there, and I'm I'm glad that those referees in that side of the world uh, where we are are taking the initiative and they're holding the referees more accountable. No, it is. I, I can tell you right now, somebody who's going through the training cabin. I'm not in the pro referees organization. That's what the MLS uses for their for their officiating programs. But yes, these guys are held weekly on a high standard. They review video. They review game reports on whatever matches that they have been officiating, be it in AR or be it the center ref itself or even the fourth official. 
they're all they're all reevaluated by different by different officiating crews and their boards, and they're given grades. They're elevated. This really determines anybody who's going to be officiating in any playoffs. This officiating also counts towards anybody that is looking to get their FIFA license because these games will go through for FIFA licensing, according to the pro referees in the United States. So there's a lot of them out there. So for somebody like me, who's still in the grassroots and still got one more year before I can even get into the regional, into the regional situation, this is something that I think for ourselves, yes, needs to be held a little bit better because it just seems in the FA itself, the FA pretty much is a buddy-buddy system. And once you're in there, boy, are you protected very well. And it just does not matter. A bad call or not, everybody scoffs it off. And we look and we move on towards the week. It's, they look at it and say, well, he's like that. He officiates this way. As long as he's holding the rules to the game, we're not really going to look at it. And that's the way that it really is right now. And that's something that I think would really have to change here in the near future as far as EPL-wise goes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that being said, though, I mean, the, with the controversies and everything that comes behind, the bottom line is is that it's still rolling. The EPL is still rolling around. And as we go, as a quick review itself. Uh, don't look now, but Manchester City has opened up a 10-point lead on Liverpool. Back on December 8th, Liverpool, well, close to Christmas time, Liverpool was eight points clear of Manchester City. Now Manchester City sits first top of the league with 50 points and with a game in hand, might I add, too, as well. So they could be as much as 13 points ahead of Liverpool. They could be as much as eight points clear of their city, crosstown city rival in Manchester United. So call me as crazy as I was to say that I didn't think Manchester City had any chance to really win the league this season. Well, I'm being proved wrong right now, and Pep Guardiola continues to do what he can do. So we'll see what happens, though, down the road a little bit. But moving into another subject, and speaking of VAR controversies and people that we don't like, well, Kyle and I kind of thought of, well, more Kyle than me, actually. Kyle was thinking about villains, and it brought up an interesting subject for both of us to really kind of ponder and think. And yes, it's about villains in the top leagues. Can anybody remember? And I and I hope that maybe on the Facebook page, maybe sometime down the road here afterwards, I put up a discussion up the on the board and get some comments from people because I'm sure there's a lot of villains out there, villains from different leagues, most hated players. I I, I think we can go across the board and across the list. Now, depending on your age group, who you are, and we've got a va- we've got a variety of people from ranges from early, late teens, 20s, 30s, and even into the 40s and beyond. So people may have bet more older villains or less younger ones than what we think. But I think there's a general consensus. If we go around to certain different leagues, Kyle, I think there's a general consensus of, that, of certain players that we just don't like and that are hated as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and this conversation, you could dive down into all sorts of uh, – I mean, we can start small and we can, you know, we can just go for overall, overall players. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so and there's, there's a handful. Um, so probably one of the biggest ones uh, is probably, uh, I think we both, I mean, we both said uh, Eric Catania uh, when he played for Man United famously mm-hmm. for um, jumping into the crowd. Uh, and <laughs> when, when <then> he, <laughs> dro- he drop kicked, uh, uh, he yeah. dropped a, a fan. Um, that was 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was pretty funny, but he's <laughs> just, just in general, I'm not condoning what he did. I'm just saying oh, how often no. do you hear about a player? Uh, yeah. He cried. He kicked a, a, a fan uh, uh, from Crystal Palace and, um, and mm-hmm. he, he, yeah. And he kind of, kind of tarnished his legacy, which kind of, which is kind of terrible when you think about these players in general, there's a lot of solid players that we thought about on this list that when you think about them, you, you, you can't help to think that it's not that their legacy that they're leaving behind. It's the tarnishment, you know, mm-hmm. like Eric Atania, you say, Oh yeah, he's, he's a great player. And, you know, but he's hated by so many. Uh, and he's a very, you know, controversial character. But when you think of him, you think, you think, Oh yeah. Wasn't he the guy that you know, karate kicked that crystal palace fan, you know? And then, and, <laughs> and then, and then you, you kind of take away everything, that you were all the positives, right? For me, uh, being a, a, a big uh, Italian fan when I was younger, especially in the 90s, um, I got to go with uh, Gattuso. Uh, he was an absolute brute in the midfield. Um, but just as a standard, uh, just a standard player. However, uh, top of my list, absolutely no questions asked, is Neymar. Um, I absolutely <laughs> loathe Neymar. Fantastic player, he's talent, speed, very smart on the ball. However, no one can say that Neymar does not embellish. Holy cow, this guy is probably the king of embellishments. And the most, the most famous one was the one that was in the World Cup. Uh, I believe it was against Mexico. And he, uh, it was the one that was like right on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, like, he, 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 like, he like trips and falls. All right, cool. And then he, and then uh, the other player. He turned like, into an international meme yeah. is what he turned oh, yeah. into after Absolutely. This. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a whole nother story. But it, the other player tried to get the ball. And there is, he does step on his leg. But you can tell by the, by the video in the picture, there is no absolute applied pressure to it. And it's right in front of the fourth official. It's right in front of the benches. And it, it, he just goes wild on the sideline. And just there's so much loathe and hate when you see something like that. It's so childish. Uh, and I remember, I remember all the the memes and everything when like when like he was like rolling <laughs> like down the street. Uh, and, we we, we yeah. even we even saw small videos of teachers in like in small countries wherever it was at, literally scream out Neymar, and kids yeah. dive, start rolling. Yeah. He, he, as I said, brought in an international meme parent phenomenon with Neymar. But it, it's not just about that. It's just about his character. And, I mean, apparently it even starts all the way back in his earlier days at Santos, even before Barcelona and PSG. Apparently he had a falling out with a, with a very popular manager for Santos and Dor, Dorvial Jr., and, and that led to – that manager getting sacked because Neymar wanted him sacked because he didn't like him racking up red cards. I mean, I could go back even when he's playing, when he sat out of man, sat out a champions league or Europa league, whatever match it was against Manchester United, because he went to his sister's birthday party and he sat out for that match. He did not play. And it cost PSG a match against Manchester United. One of the more brilliant comebacks in league play in European league play. Yeah, so I see that list there. Neymar is not liked by a lot of people. So, I certainly can see that. On the other side of it, uh, I, I think 
uh, Suarez, uh, aka the Vampire, mm, Mr. Shirtbite. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Vampire. Luis Suarez is definitely up there. Um, uh, he's definitely on my list. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I know uh, Danny Ellie because uh, he's uh, he's a very young player and he's super arrogant. I've heard a lot about them. Uh, Ashley Young is definitely up there uh, when he uh, when he plays. Mr. Diver, Mr. Yeah. Diver himself. Yeah, sorry, Manchester I, United fans. Yeah, but I think we both can say one that was on our list was Diego Costa. Oh, yes, Diego Costa. <laughs> Where do you begin with this guy? I mean, apparently not just bad temper, lashing out at players. I mean, different chance getting red cards, violent contact, stomping on opponents. I mean, this guy has been quoted by players saying that he likes to cheat. Well, that I mean, that that does not surprise me with with Diego Costa, and that's not just in La Liga. That is in EPL. I mean, I don't know what would be worse: the days at Chelsea or the days at Atletico Madrid. I mean, it's all the same with Diego Costa. And anywhere that you go, there was controversy around him. And you just didn't know with his temper what was going to happen. And I mean, I think one of the bigger ones is that I think a lot of people can remember is the lack of honor and integrity that he's kind of has probably why she taunted. If anybody goes back to 2014, he was taunting Seamus Coleman about his own goal. In 2014, I don't remember. I don't remember the the play exactly itself, but I do remember seeing images and everything about taunting itself. I mean, this is a man who taunts. This is a man who stonks. This is a man who just does not care. He loves to get into your head. He is one of those players. I've played against guys like this. I'm sure Kyle has played against many guys like this. If the psychological game itself is to get into somebody's head, if I can get into your head and I can make you just absolutely rage and go after me, then I've already won this match itself. And that's where psychologically, as a player, you have to you have to watch that stuff. And I have to be, and I've been taught that and coached that a lot myself from many mentors. But he's one of those ones, too, that I liken him like Donald Duck. And he can dish it out, and he'll give anything he wants. <laughs> but if somebody even remotely tries to give it right back, it is a total, total retaliation, usually over the top. That involves a lot of red cards. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think a close second would be Sergio Ramos. Um, Sergio mm-hmm. Ramos, yes. who's very notorious in La Liga. Um, uh, he, I believe he has an all-time red card, uh, red card holder. I think it's in the 30s, um, which, which is that's uh, right ridiculous. Now, that, um, of the article that I read with Sergio Ramos right now, this was conducted back in October of 2020. So as of now, I don't recall of any other red cards. Maybe he did. As of that writing, he had 26 red cards. 20, 26. And, that 26. Good. That is as we did. And, you know, and I'm not, don't get us don't get us get it twisted. Both Sergio Ramos. And Diego Costa are great players in their own respects. However, they are both very dirty, aggressive players, especially uh, Diego Costa, especially on the strike on the striker end, and then Sergio Ramos on the defensive. And uh, Ramos is notorious for um, elbows. That's one of the things that he was notorious for. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just it, you hate to see it, but you know, at the same time, I'll I'll, I'll make an argument. Uh, I, if anyone else was to come on the show and, and uh, debate me on this, I would say that adds a little bit of spice to the game because you know, oh, you got Diego Costa. You, what's going to happen with Costa? What's going to ha- happen with Ramos? You know, um, I, I think it adds, you know, that flavor to the game. 
that a lot of, uh, you know, games that, you know, those, those, those wonder games, like, oh, it's such a great game. It had goals, it had controversy, it had action. It wasn't boring, you know, and, you know, and the, both teams played well, you know, and, and players like Costa, Ramos, Ashley Cole, um, um, and, you know, some of these other ones, uh, you, you, you need them. It, it sucks to say it, but you need them in the sport because it makes the sport more interesting. Mm-hmm. No, you do. You do need them to be more interesting itself. And I make another quick mention for me before we kind of go through, because again, this, this is one where I would need to work. I want to work on it more. And I know Kyle could work on it more. And we would need more input from people. There's got to be a list. You could literally make a 11. You could literally make a starting 11 of most hateful players. I'm pretty sure if with the proper research, but another one, a couple of ones that I bring in, I bring in Arian Robin. I has not been on my list. He is somebody I did not personally like itself. Very notorious for the Dutch squad itself, especially Mexico fans would know him very well back from 2014. Uh, I'm not going to get too much more into that, but Arian Robbins reputation of, yes, he has a t- had a reputation of being a diver and selling as far as penalty goes itself. And then the only other one that for me is kind of more unique, but I think it bears mentioning itself and this is more in the Bundesliga itself as a whole for me. RB Leipzig is just not liked by anybody in the Bundesliga. I can tell you right now, uh, when when COVID times get over and Borussia Dortmund fans like me will be able to celebrate and go back into matches, I can tell you one thing: we don't go to RB Leipzig because we don't we don't like RB Leipzig. The traveling away crew does not travel to RB Leipzig for games. They don't even recognize their their badge at home games whenever they're playing RB Leipzig. There are teams with around the Leipzig area that do not like the ownership and the way that this team was able to be punted in money from where we know it came from and the way that they rose to the ranking so quickly. RB Leipzig is something that defies everything above all the 50 plus one rule that the Bundesliga has and the German DFB has heavily coveted for so many years. And RB Leipzig has basically broken the barrier and likens themselves Pretty much you bring in a billionaire, billionaire billion, billions of dollars to pump into a team and you can rise to the rankings anywhere quickly. So that is as a club itself as a whole, there's not a lot of clubs that really like or adore RB Leipzig at this one, which is a sad thing because Tyler Adams for the United States men's national team plays on that on that squad. They've had a couple of guys in Timo Werner that has moved over to Chelsea. So produces tremendous players, but just not liked as a club as a whole. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I tell you, you could go forever on this, but I uh, we won't do that from there. We will move into a little bit something else, and Kyle, let's move into the MLS, because as I discussed, as as I put out there before last week, I was very, very cautious, and I was very uh, pessimistic that anything was going to get done. I was very convinced that the MLS was going to be heading into a lockout in case anybody didn't know about this. The MLS, the owners had been proposing a new system. They wanted another two seasons onto the contract of the negotiations to be given in so that the negotiation contracts would end in 2027. Initially the players, whatever the whole deal, I'm not going to get into it from in this standpoint. You want to look into it. You can look up the whole deals, everything that goes from there. 
I personally was looking into last Thursday thinking we were heading into a lockout. The players were going to be into a mini lockout, which in one sense would work well because the owners are not paying, don't have to be paying money and maybe be saving things giving in pandemic times. But then in another sense, looking at the players, well, no money's coming to the players. What are you going to do? Because a lot of players might be living paycheck to paycheck in the MLS. But thankfully a deal gets done. Uh, it was an, it was announced on Friday that a deal did get reached and the, the owners do get initially what they want. I don't know the whole details yet, but it sounds like that the, the owners pretty much get what they want. And the biggest thing behind the whole, I know behind these negotiations though, was with the 2026 World Cup coming to the United States, exposure is going to be big for the MLS. They want to be banking in on this. And that's where the owners feel they could be able to make up a little bit of that money because it'll be high ratings itself. But a deal is done. We that and we now know that we now know the MLS will begin in the time frame whatever that it was already scheduled to begin in, and we can start taking a look at teams that are moving in, especially with Austin FC moving in, so a new Texas squad coming in, and also a whole bunch of new players that are coming in and out too as well. But Kyle, I mean, anything from there? Were you doubting about the MLS maybe starting? And are there any transfers or anything for yourself that you have looked at, saying this is really maybe interesting or maybe? kind of puzzling to see right yeah so <clears throat> it seems like when we were kind of uh we kind of see stuff 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 that comes up on our feet and i definitely saw what you were talking about and i i expected them to be pretty i i, I didn't expect it to come in like a day like i believe it was like a day or two it was like what 24 hours and then they had uh they had an agreement or something like that and um that was that was baffling so uh, maybe if you're thinking economically, maybe the MLS lost a lot of money last year, which I'm sure they did. Like most division sports, they lost did. a billion dollars last yeah. year. Actually, so I'm sure they were like, "Hey, you know what? Give them what they want. We can't, we can't afford to lose any money because you got to think there's if the season gets halted, there's sponsorships, TV rights, all sorts of stuff that goes into effect with this. So I'm sure they probably didn't want the bad publicity on top of not having fans and seats." Um, that's what that's what would cross my mind. So I was definitely surprised that they had at least uh, agreed to some sort of a mutual understanding. Uh, but we'll see what go- goes on from there. As for anything else, uh, I got some trades that I've been watching, but other than that, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's about it there. I mean, it's good to see. Again, I I, <clears throat> I think for um, most things, for the most part, I, I just it's a good thing. And like you mentioned there, yes, the billion dollars was lost from the MLS last year. Literally, honestly, though, they passed the deadline for the CBA. They extended it out another 24 hours. And yes, the agreement was made. So but in all in all, yes, we've got some transfers that have come in. So, Kyle, you said you had a few. So why don't you give me just a few of what you so, looked at there that just has your eyeball caught? Yeah, the, the biggest one, and I think you've I think you've probably already seen it, is Orlando City making a move for Alexander Pato. So mm. uh, when I was a, when I was a young kid, uh, especially uh, it was in the World Cup, 2006 World Cup. I was a senior in high school. Pato was just one of those kid, one of those guys that you just wanted to watch. He was so fun. He was so exciting to watch. Uh, and then uh, he played for AC Milan uh, as well. Uh, and you know he is is just is just a, a fantastic player to watch. He didn't have much uh, after AC Milan. Uh, it kind of fell off the boat. The boat. Um, and he plays for, uh, I believe, he plays for São Paulo. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, current a free, currently a free agent. So uh, it's a good deal uh, when you think about it uh, for Orlando City. He'll be coming in on a free, so the only thing they have to pay is his wages. Um, so that's the biggest one I, I've been kind of following um, recently. Um, I think I think it would be a very good buy for them, uh, especially uh, the last few seasons. Orlando City hasn't really – I would argue that they haven't really – been very exciting you know uh, sure. you know since 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 kaka um but uh another brazilian alexander Bato, who's uh who's 31 and you know that's not let's not take that away from that he's 31 there's very very many players that are pushing well past his 30s you know messi uh ibrahimovic uh ronaldo they're all i believe 30 32 33 plus i think ibrahimovic is 34 or 35 and there's countless- Ibrahimovic is almost forty. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So uh, thirty-one is nothing, and you know. So, and we're not even talking about goalkeepers. Goalkeepers can obviously press on farther, um, given their given their uh, their status. So uh, I think that's a good move for them. Uh, like I said, they only have to pay for his wages. Um, that's the biggest one I've been watching was the Papato news. Mm. Well, from a kind of perspective itself, I mean, there have been some <clears throat> loans and free transfers itself with MLS that have been. There are three moves for me of guys that moved away from the MLS, but were a part of the MLS last year for me that I am kind of going to keep an eye on. The first one for me is Joseph Scally under the NYCFC. This is the 18-year-old American who finally makes his move over to the Bundesliga to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, he wasn't able to – this agreement was made actually back in 2019, but because he didn't hold a European passport – now, under the rules of the Germany – of the DFB in Germany, if you are going to play – if you're going to play – you can play in the Bundesliga as early as 16 if you hold a European tra- uh, passport. Now, he doesn't hold that, and that's why Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic were able to do things like that earlier because Gio Reyna held one from the U.K., and also Pulisic held one from Croatia. So Scali didn't have this, but now that he ha- he's old enough now at 18, he can move over. So I'm going to be excited to see what things work out for there, if it's going to be a six-month loan or if it's going to be something further. I don't know. I think right now probably he'll be working with the U23s and the U19 squads with Mönchengladbach, see kind of what happens there. Two other Americans that made their move to the same squad, and I'm talking to Swansea City, both on six-month loan, six-month loans, which were very surprising to see. Um, Aaron, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul Ariola made his move over from DC United, and also Jordan Morris, somebody that we thought maybe should have made the move a long time ago to European soccer finally makes the move over from Seattle Sounders to Swansea City. Both of them, again, they're on six-month loans. Now, Kyle, I know the premises behind these two moves itself. Number one was kind of the transparency of what the status of the MLS was going to be as far as the season goes. Well, it seems like the season's going to be going, number one. Number two, if, if memory serves right to me, a lot of dominating players right now are for the United States men's national team are now playing in Europe. And I think Burr Halter is pretty much seeing the odds. And I think both Jordan Morris and Ariola can see if they want a shot on this, on the Ross, on the roster for world cup qualifications or even further, they need to start competing in Europe. They need to start getting into the physicality of what is needed. Look no further than Swansea City in the second division fighting right now in one of the top teams in the championship, one of the more toughest leagues in all of world football, to be honest with you. 
Yep, the second I, division of English football is just absurdly tough. So I, I agree with will, that. They will get some really good experience from there with Swansea City. And again, this is a six-month loan, so this can go two ways. This is either it doesn't turn out the way you want, you get the valuable experience that you need, and you get back and your loan back to your squads of the MLS, probably in time to be hit in the peak of the season, which hit well for Seattle and DC. Or this could work out well. Swansea City could get promoted. If they win out and get promoted into the Premier League, then you could get signed on further. Now you're playing in the Premier League, and that's more of an opportunity and a chance. But I know of these two players. Ariola is needed on the defensive side, and also Jordan Morris's speed, as big as he is, his speed is the reason why he is competing as one of the moving forwards for the United States men's national team. So I, I give the kudos to these two guys, these three guys, honestly for making the move over to from the MLS into European, just getting moves, but also their six month loans. So they're wise investments too for their MLS perspective teams that they can pull them back after the loan is complete. If things aren't working out well, or if they're needed back for their MLS perspective clubs. But I, I make, I look at these moves and I say just good kudos on both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good move for both players. Um, and good move for us soccer. It is indeed. And the final thing for me tonight that I have on my edge is on the CONCACAF scale of things we've seen, a lot of people don't really realize there is a club World Cup that has been going on right now and that's being played over in Qatar, in Qatar right now as we speak. And we have a CONCACAF team that has made some history. Tigres from Liga MX today won their match earlier in the earlier before today's match, not today, yesterday's match. They actually beat Palmarius in the semifinal to qualify for the club World Cup final. Well, who are they going to take on? Well, look no further than one of the best clubs in the world. I'm talking about Lemodowski and Bayern München, who won their match today 2-0 on a brace from Robert Lemodowski himself. So it is set on either Thursday or Friday. It's not in front of me, Kyle, but... The Club World Cup final, which will be on, I believe, FS1 or FS2. You can watch that throughout the day, about uh, 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. You have to check your local listings for that time frame. But this is Tigres' chance, and this is a chance for CONCACAF, not only to be the first team from CONCACAF to make the Club World Cup final, but to be the team of the likes of Bayern München and be and win the club world cup i mean does tigres have any chance and if they do what must they have to do because i don't know the tigres squad very well other than their main striker but i know what the task is going to be playing against the likes of Bayern munich and i don't know these club world cups sometimes kyle though they are just so nuts and crazy that anything can happen i think yes absolutely and i think i agree (laughs) do they have a chance I mean, of course they have a chance, but do they really have a chance? You know, like, and I'm not taking anything away from them because they've obviously been doing fantastic and and they've gotten to where they have for obvious reasons. However, they're playing against probably arguably the best club in the world uh, at the moment, if not probably the last, uh, we we could probably say two or three years, they've been the best club in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but I I think if they, if they really want to make a, uh, uh, some sort of uh, stamp on the game. I think what they really have to do is that they have to manage the midfield. I think if they manage the midfield and limit, uh, you know, their 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 giveaways and possession, um, I think they would have a. I think they can manage the game very well. Um, and uh, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I I don't know if they can actually 
you know, stop, you know, the, the counterattack and the wide play and the versatility that is, you know, Bayern Munich. But I think if they manage the midfield and they, and they press and they get uh, Bayern Munich to make mistakes, I think they'll, I think they'll hold their own. Hmm. I think for themselves and for Tigres, it's just going to have to be kind of the mentality. I mean, it, these are two squads probably just do not know each other very well. Right. Two very different leagues. I mean, Bayern Munich playing in the likes of UEFA and in the Bundesliga. Tigres coming from Liga MX. Maybe if that's something of an advantage for Liga MX, I can tell you from any games I've watched from Liga MX, it is a lot rougher. It is yes. a lot more physical. Yes. So that is something maybe that they could bring that they will have to bring to Bayern Munich is that the physicality will must be present in this in this match if they're going to have a chance of stopping. But I mean, just at the chance, I mean, for Tigres, for anybody who's a Tigres supporter, for a fan, anybody of a like, and for CONCACAF as a whole, to finally have a squad in the Club World Cup final was just, it's amazing to see. I'm excited to see that now. And it draws my attention enough now that I'll try to have it on the phone and be watching it while at work in the afternoon. But I'm excited to see. We'll see what happens there. But again, Tigres against Bayern München, the FIFA Club World Cup final. That will take place in Qatar on either Thursday or Friday. You can check that again, FS1 or FS2, kind of around lunchtime since the time difference is from there. You'll check the times there. And that is what is happening for me right now. Well, I think we kind of did enough there today, Kyle. I think we discussed what we wanted to. We wanted to get things off our chest. We've got plenty more of league action happening. There's FA Cup happening. There's DFB Pokal. There's Bundesliga. Oh, yes, beginning next week, we're back at it for Champions League and Europa League as well. So we got a lot of things going on in this month of February. Absolutely, absolutely. And my final thoughts for the evening is shout-out to MLS official Drew Fisher. Fisher, excuse me for uh, being uh, appointed for the video match official for the FIFA Club World Cup. Like we are talking about uh, MLS uh, referees being held to a higher <laughs> standard. Boom. There it is. There's proof. So clap, clap, clap. Good on, good on him and good on MLS. No, it is good on them for indeed. So once again, guys, we have our page there, Soccer Central News on Facebook. It is for you. It is for us. The form is there. I always make sure, yes, we do have to approve your posts first, but we nine times out of ten will approve pretty much any post as long as it's not derogatory, as long as it's not you know, too verbal. I mean, it can get a little kind of adult language type sometimes in our conversations. But, guys, that form is there all the time for us to post. That's there. That's why we created it. That's why Kyle and I do this, and that's why we do this show here too as well. And I can't thank you enough, Kyle. For letting me be a part of this and also for today's show as well. Yeah, thank you for having, coming on, man. It's always a great pleasure to come on here and talk with you. And I always enjoy it and uh, looking forward to the next time. And Sue, indeed, myself. So for Kyle D'Antoni, for myself, Tyler Bates, for everybody at Soccer Central News, guys, thank you for listening to this episode. We will see you guys down the road. And as always, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the soccer out there. Take care, everybody.